This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. The doctor kept saying, like, the more sick you are, like, the stronger. Better signs. It is better signs. Signs pointing to pregnancy. Yeah. I was throwing up so much. I thought I had HG. No I couldn't eat anything. I would sip water and vomit. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to harm my baby because you're supposed to eat. Like, you have to be able to eat something. My OB had one baby. She had HG. She threw up so much. She's like, I survived on Seagram's ginger ale and saltines. It's all she ate for 10 months. I don't know. I couldn't even have a cracker. I was like, I think I was like licking celery. I was like. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Katie's Crib. Today's guest has been a friend of mine for a while. You may know her as Michaela Pratt on ABC's How to Get Away with Murder. I can remember when Asian Naomi King booked How to Get Away with Murder, and I first met her at like an ABC Upfront event, and it just reminded me so much of when I got Quinn. And it's been so awesome to just watch Asia and her career blossom and her family blossom. We get into it in this episode. We talk at length about her two miscarriages before her pregnancy. She gave birth to her first child, her rainbow baby, in June of 2021. We talk about her labor. We talk about how awesome it was that she posted a very candid, beautiful image of her body right after childbirth and what that really looks like. Brava Asia. For those of you who don't know how to get away with murder, Michaela Pratt, well, you should. But if you don't, you may have caught Asia as Cassandra Copelson in the CW medical comedy drama Emily Owens. She's been in films such as Boxing Day, The Birth of a Nation, and The Upside. She's received dozens of television and film accolades, including NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Supporting Actress for How to Get Away with Murder in 2015. She's won the Rising Star Award at the 10th Annual Essence Black Women in Hollywood event in 2017. She is the face of the skincare line Olay in fall of 2015, and she became a spokesperson for freaking L'Oreal Paris in 2017. Like I said, she welcomed her first child in 2021 with her husband, Dan King. Asia, welcome to Katie's Crib. Asia Naomi King. 
Katie Lowe's. <laughs> I mean, we first met at a Oh man, you guys were like the new kids on the block. What? No. Season was that of scandal. I don't even know, but everyone was talking about how to get away with murder and it hadn't come out yet. And we were at some sort of event. <laughs> Someone walked you over to me. It might have even been Shonda. Let's say it she was might Shonda. Have, yes. Makes for a better story. Shonda right? and all her graciousness. And she was like, this girl is a star. <laughs> and I was like, a yeah, she is. And then I watched your performance in the first episode of How to Get Away with Murder. And since then, it has been a trajectory of shine and brilliance and authenticity and just awesomeness. And I'm just so happy that amidst all of your craze, busyness, and exciting career stuff, you managed to have a baby. (laughs) Yes. I mean, the pandemic helped, so... Totally agree. It really did. It was a great time to be like, oh, well, we can't do anything. Let's try this. Did you always want to be a mom? I did. This is funny to me, though. It's like, because my husband didn't, and he's way more of the, like, parent caretaker than I am. I always wanted to be a mom because, like, that's what you do. You go to college. You fall in love. You get married, you have a baby. Yeah. Societal norms tell us this is the order. In exactly. Which like you follow mm-hmm. the the fairy tale, you know, and like, and that's just what you're supposed to do. Having no idea of what that actually means, what that actually looks like. Like my idea of having a baby was like something to put cute clothes on and, and that's, totally. and that's so it. obscure. You can't <laughs> understand so- it. Really, I, I, and I remember even asking friends when I finally did get pregnant, I was like, why do you need so much help? I don't understand. There's two of you and there's only one baby. And now I'm like, wow, I was such a fool. Just what a fool I was. Yeah, babies, for such a little thing, they really blow up your whole life. They as really you know do. They really mm-hmm. do. So you really wanted to be a mom in because it was what you... What I thought I was supposed to do. Did that ever change? I know I have to say right at the top of this podcast that you, anyone listening who doesn't follow Asian Naomi King's Instagram, it's a wonderful place because you're so, I'm so appreciative of your posts about your experiences. Um, I think they're so honest and raw and helpful and inspiring. So you had been pregnant a couple times before, right? Yes. I fell in love. To me, the next logical step was have a baby. But the first time we got pregnant, we weren't trying. It was an accident. And it was the kind of thing where I was like, oh, oh, shit. Like, this is a little, I'm not sure I was, like, totally ready for this. And actually, we weren't even, we weren't married yet by that time. In my mind, I'm like, this is out of order. This isn't the way this is supposed to go, but okay, we can always, we can, we can get married before the baby comes and, and it'll all right. even out, you know? And when I think back to that first time of getting pregnant, there was like so much, this is so insane, but still my brain's like, but this is what you're supposed to do. So it's okay. Now, when I think back to that time, I just remember us sitting in the car after our doctor's appointment, after being told that there is no baby. um, And the two of us just sobbing. 
And it was supposed to be easy. It was supposed to be just the natural thing. It was like breaking of the fantasy for me, basically. It's like, so wait, so it's not just going to happen. It's supposed to just happen. And going through that first miscarriage, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm an eternal optimist, which sometimes really backfires, especially in- I am too. Right? So when I had to get um, a DNC and I'm coming out of sedation and the nurses are trying to like put my pants on, I'm like, show me. Like show, like show me what, show me what you took out because you, maybe you made a mistake and there's a baby in there. So like, there's this not right. Something is wrong. Like this can't be the story. This is not my story. Yeah. This is, this is wrong. Everyone's making a mistake. This is not my story. There's a baby. You're just, you're all missing it. The machine's broken. You shouldn't have done this thing. Prove to me that, that you didn't mess up. And then, and I was still working at that time. We were still, we were in the midst of shooting murder and like we had gone into the season and I was so excited because it was like my little secret that I'm going to have a baby and I don't even know when to tell the writers. Yeah, I did the same thing. And then you realized, I had a very similar thing. Like, didn't you realize like, oh, I can't control this. Like I cannot really plan how I've always been able to plan my whole life. Like I'm sort of, I think you and I are similar in the type A, like this is what's how things get organized. When's your birthday again? January 11th. I'm a Capricorn. (laughs) (laughs) How far along were you? We were like about two and a half months in because we had been traveling. So I didn't even have a doctor to go to until we got back to the U.S. Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah, this was so horrible. I totally forgot about this part. My first miscarriage was a blighted ovum. I'm really bad at knowing my own anatomy and how that works. And that's really sad. But basically, like, um, I think... (laughs) I'm like, we're going to Google it. Look this up. No, I'm let me look. Okay, I'm going to look it up right now. I'm a like, blighted I ovum. I don't want to say this wrong. Let's think. Let's look this up. Okay. Blighted o- ovum, excuse me for interrupting, is also called an anembryonic gestation. It's a condition that occurs when a gestational sac develops without an embryo. Yeah. It occurs when an embryo never develops or stops developing. Often, no specific cause is apparent. It's usually noticed in the first few weeks of pregnancy during an ultrasound. So it's basically like everything is there except a baby. And that's why I had to do the DNC because they had to like take that sack out. Because it's not fertilized. Yeah. It's like not, or it's not a real embryo. I mean, it's not going to end up in a baby. So this, the second one, right, the second miscarriage, when I did the ultrasound, oh, I hated this so much. The tech was like, you had a positive pregnancy test? And I'm like, why the fuck do you think I'm here? Yeah. Yes, I had a yeah, positive. Yeah. positive pregnancy. Yeah. No, this can't be happening again. No, this cannot be happening again. <sighs> and she's just like, I, I'm not seeing anything in here. And then tags on at the end. And do you know you have a fibroid? I'm like, Lady, uh, pick your yeah, moments. Lady, like bedside manner. <laughs> like, like let's, yeah. Like, uh. um, and then later, like my doctor was worried, like, what if it's when they think it's outside of the uterus? 
So they wanted me to go back to the doctor because that's so dangerous. So they wanted me to go back to the doctor and like I went to the emergency room to double check. And I remember... I think for those listening, an ectopic pregnancy is when the embryo is attached to like the fallopian tube or something, but it's not correctly in the uterus. So if it were to grow, it could actually... It could kill you. Blow up your fallopian tube and yeah. it would not be good. I rushed to the emergency room and I'm in the room with the nurse, she's like, okay, I'm going to bring in the doctor because clearly there's some confusion. So we're going to like check this out or whatever. And are you alone or is your hut? My husband's with me. And this woman runs in, this doctor runs in, doesn't even say hi. And she just starts like pushing on my body like super quickly. And I'm just like, what's going on? And she was like, this is your second miscarriage. And she asked me, and what happened the first time? And I, and I'm like telling her like the first time I had a blighted ovum, she bursts out laughing. I just started crying. Cause I'm like, why is this woman laughing at me when I just told her I'm in the middle of a second miscarriage. I just told her my first one was a blighted ovum and she's literally laughing in my face. And she was just like, I'm sorry. It's just been so long since I've heard that term what the fuck about this is funny to you? She later apologized for that yeah, reaction. I'm, I'm only silent right but... now on this podcast because I'm in shock. We were so like, what the hell is this? It was it was the worst day of my life. I was like, this is the second miscarriage. I'm in a hospital. This doctor's laughing in my face. And you had just been touched and pushed and, and I'm just being pushed and brought. Like, what is going on? It was after that day that I kind of had this moment of I didn't want to have to work for it to have the baby because it was supposed to be the natural order. But then I was like, but if you actually do want this, you're going to have to work for it. And you know what? A baby is a really serious thing and you should have to work for it. You should have to work for it because a baby is work. So if you're going to make this happen, do the deep dive, figure it out. My husband and I were like, we're going to find a naturopathic doctor. We're going to like get into this and try to figure out, do we need tests? What do we need? Let's investigate it because one time, okay, sure. No one talks about it, but it's very common. But to me at the time, it wasn't very common because no one talks yeah. about it. So yeah, I, know. I felt totally alone in that. You would think one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage, so. You never hear. I, when I told my mother I had a miscarriage, she was like, I've had a miscarriage. How are you just telling me this? Why didn't you ever tell me that? Because in that, it would help to know. It would help to. But look at this, you, you going through it. And yeah. you posting about it as much yeah. as we can shit on social media, this, that, and the other thing. There are some real moments of connectivity. Yeah. Yeah. And information. Yeah. When you posted that you're now, your son is a rainbow baby and you've had two miscarriages, I just was like, yeah, people should fucking know this. What did it end up being an epistop, an episcopic pregnancy? Endoscopic? No. Let's look that up. Guys, we're learning a lot today. <laughs> we are. This is, I have forgotten so, like, when I was pregnant, I was like, I know about this. I know about this. I'm reading oh, about God. this and that. And now it's, I'm like, what did I read? Brain is gone. No, what no, happened? Endoscopic pregnancy detect. And, and, and ectopic. ectopic. 
E-C-T-O-P-I-C. Yeah. It was not. Okay. Pregnancy is usually not. diagnosed by carrying out a transvaginal ultrasound scam. This involves... Blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. So ectopic. It was not that. It was not that. But I still had a horrible day at the hospital. And that was the last time I was like, I'm never rushing to the hospital ever again. Did um, you have to have a second DNC? No. I That time I had to do the methotrexate shots since there was there no, there was no sac. There was... There was literally no sign of anything, but I kept optimists. I kept peeing on sticks. <laughs> I bought so many pregnancy tests and I just kept peeing on them. And I'm like, but it says I'm pregnant. This is the proof right here. Um, and yeah, and that's the other horrible thing that you don't like when you have a miscarriage. It's so, it takes the body so long to accept that it's not pregnant and flush out those hormones and regulate itself. The body is magical the way it can do that. But I was like, I didn't like the weight. Me either. I was like, I want to fix this. I'm such a fixer and I'm such a control freak. And it's like, I remember after my miscarriage, I had a DNC also, which for you guys listening, it's essentially like you get put under anesthesia. And I think it's like a 20, 30 minute procedure, but they go up there and scrape everything out of there. All the cells out and make sure. All the cells out and all that. But it can take a while for you to get a period back and to get your cycle back, which is required in order for you to get pregnant again or to start trying or knowing when you're ovulating again. It took me like three months to even get a period back. So I felt out of my fucking mind because I had no cycle. So I just felt like how you feel before you get your period and then you get your period and there's like a release hormonally for three months. I felt fucked up. But yeah, it's a big waiting game. And then some, depending on how far along you were, how your DNC was, some OBs even recommend like you waiting a bunch of cycles to make sure your uterine wall is really strong again, because it gets kind of beat up in a DNC. I was not about, I was like, no, like I want to have a baby right now. (laughs) Yeah. And my doctor was like, I don't know how to help you with that. Wow. Like I recommend therapy. Um, so tell me about when you finally were able to carry your this pregnancy happened. Yes. So we were actually we were in Austria and I didn't have like a huge thyroid thing. The numbers were in a range of normal, but my naturopathic doctor was like they could be more optimal. So it's like, yeah, you do like the whole, like, you're not drinking. I cut like coffee and stuff. Doing the Brazil nuts and putting, rubbing progesterone on myself. And I was like, we're, this is going to happen. I like, I'm going to (laughs) will this into being. And we were having sex like it was our job. And that was so funny to me because it was like, I really don't want to lose the enjoyment in sex. And we were trying to be so creative to make it fun. How to keep it hot. How to keep it hot and fun. It was just like, look, I just need you to do this right now. Oh, I have girlfriends that will remain nameless. I hope that, I don't know how long it took you guys, but it's pretty hard. I have to say I've had friends who it took like years to get pregnant that were literally like please just like masturbate until the end and then just stick it in like and I'm just like oh fuck is that hard that's so hard it's hard on a marriage hard on a relationship hard on the why you're doing this it's it's hard it's really hard 
So you were keeping it fun. You were still in the fun zone. Doing our best to keep it in the fun zone. And the third time was the charm. I felt so lucky because like, yes, I did have the miscarriages, which had some traumatic events attached to them with the getting pushed around and laughed at. Yeah, that's yeah that was not great. But at the end of the day, I was like, there's so much that I didn't have to go through that I know other women have had to go through. And it made me feel like this is such a blessing. But at the same time, I was like, but it's not a competition. And I want to honor my experience. Because I was like, do I even share that it's a rainbow baby? What I went through wasn't as horrible as what other people have gone through. So maybe it doesn't count. That's when I was like, this is not like the trauma Olympics. Like you don't. Totally. Absolutely. All things are true. What all things to are true. Sucks, and what happens to other girls sucked. Like it's it sucks. It's all sucky and it can all be honored and yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame, so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. So it's the start of your third pregnancy. How did you feel? Were you terrified? I was so terrified. I was just like, is it going to happen again? Takes away a lot of the fun. You don't jump right to like the first time where you're like, first time you're afraid. You're like, holy shit. This yeah. is terrifying. Yeah, and then you're like, okay, wait, should we talk names? What if it's a boy? What if it's a girl? What are we doing? Look at the month where it's due, like all this stuff. And then once you have a miscarriage, you just that enjoyment of planning. You're like, I don't know when I'm safe to start daydreaming like that. And we were doing blood tests to see like HCG levels and just asking ourselves, like, is this 
real and then even oh my god like I'm in Austria and I'm going to have an ultrasound because that's where we were and it's the first one and I'm terrified and I really just hate doctor's offices at this point also and we go in there and the woman can only really speak German so I'm just like so you're just like your husband speaks German, though, right? He speaks German, but, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that he doesn't know about. So I didn't realize yeah. that she was asking him, should I do a pap smear as well? And he didn't know what that was. Oh, hilarious. And so this he couldn't so tell, he couldn't ask me, like, do you need this thing? And he couldn't translate because he just didn't know. He's like, I don't even know what the hell that is. This is. Sure. And so she, like, comes in with the metal duck thing. And I'm like, what the, what is, what are you doing? What is this? And she proceeds to give me a pap smear. And I'm like, this is not what we are here for. I don't want, I like, tell me if there's a baby in here. Wow. (laughs) This is so, did you have the baby in Austria? No, we had the baby here. And that was the thing that clinched it. Cause we debated doing it in Austria, but we were like, no, I need to be able to communicate (laughs) To whoever yeah. I'm in a room the right with. Call. Yeah, no, that, that was, was definitely, definitely the right call. I was like, right why call. am I getting a pap smear when I'm trying to get like a confirmation ultrasound? Getting that confirmation, seeing that image on the ultrasound screen, knowing like this could be real was wonderful and terrifying. All at the same time, terrifying because it could easily go away but wonderful because it's like there's our baby and we've been waiting for you and we work so hard for you and (laughs) (laughs) yes so how was the pregnancy oh that was the other thing where I was like this is so different did you enjoy being pregnant those first three months or like those first yeah three four months horrible I couldn't move I was sobbing at everything my husband would be like let's go for a walk and I was like you don't know my pain (laughs) why do you hate me i had a breakdown like in the middle and it felt different than the first two pregnancies yeah the doctor kept saying like the more sick you are like the stronger better signs it is better signs signs pointing to pregnancy yeah i was throwing up so much i thought i had hg no i couldn't eat anything i just sip water and vomit asia no are you kidding I like lost what a 10 pounds nightmare. at the top no. of my Yeah. And then you I was terrified. I couldn't eat anything. I was like, oh my God, this is going to harm my baby because you're supposed yeah, to eat. Sure. Like you have to be able sure. to eat something. Eat nutrients. Like exactly. You. I was like, is are even the prenatal vitamins reaching? Going in. Probably not, but that's okay. I was freaking out about that because I just couldn't keep anything. My OB had one baby. She had HG. She threw up so much her entire pregnancy. And she's like, my daughter, her daughter's six and wonderfully healthy, thank God. But she's like, I survived on Seagram's ginger ale and saltines. It's all she ate for 10 months. Wow. I don't know. I couldn't even have a cracker. I was like, oh I think my I was God. like licking celery. I was like, there's and all I wanted was cold. I just, I wanted cold stuff so badly. And then I would just throw it up. And then when did you make it past that? So the beginning was a rough ride. Did it clear up? It did. In like the fourth, I shot a movie too. <laughs> I went to London and shot a movie. 
Oh my God. Was your husband Which, there with you? Or were you by yes, yourself? Yes. He's always with me. Oh, good. good. Especially at this time. You needed support. All the yes, support you could Yeah. Have. I mean, working during that time is not good. I was getting into in between three, four months, and it was calming down the illness. And I'm like shooting this film and I'm not trying to share it with anyone because we just weren't sharing with anyone because we didn't know what was happening. Like, I don't think we told anyone until we were almost five months because then that's when it was like, really? Okay. Coming out. Coming out. Things are happening. My body's changing My body's changing. (laughs) Like, there's something growing inside of here. Um, That was wild to like be on a set in COVID in London, which... Oh, shit. Were you terrified? (laughs) I just, I so enjoyed the film and the people I was around for the film. And they were like being Which one was this? Has this come out yet? Yeah, it was Boxing Day. Oh, awesome. Fun, comedy. You're not like being- Exactly. Yeah. They were treating us so wonderfully and they didn't know I was pregnant. And every, like everyone I was surrounded by was just like cracking jokes. Like we were laughing all the time. They had great safety measures in place. So you felt safe. I felt safe on set and I felt, and I was happy. Like the people that I was around, they were like just lifting my heart up so much. But being in a city, in a pandemic, like London, where it's just all shut down. Like when I wasn't on set and I was just like in that apartment in London for my husband and I, that was like, ooh, this is a lot. And then I felt so bad for him because at least... I would leave and go to set and have some engagement. He would guard himself up to go to the market to like get healthy things for me because he was making me my lunches and dinners. And he was just like really trying to take care of what we were putting in my body for our baby. And then he was just like trapped in this space. I'm like, my, uh, to me, my husband's just like man of the century. Like, <laughs> He like he takes such great care of me. He but like you're taking such great care of your baby. Like it's a big joint effort. So tell me, how was your labor experience? It was wonderful. It was long. It was very long. Were you induced? Long. No. I had had a beautiful day. My my husband had gotten me this vaginal steaming box to use at home. I was at 39 and 3 when my water exploded, I like to say. I would do this vaginal steaming. It's like you sitting on this wood box and there's like just herbs in a pot, just lightly steaming. It smells so good. It's I was like relaxing me time. Yeah, just like sitting comfortably, Sit meditate. Comfortably. I'm steaming. I'm having a relaxing day. The whole week before I had started wearing adult diapers because I was in just in case. And I had been feeling really internal. I had stopped responding to any text messages or were you on like a proper maternity leave where you were like, hey, everyone on my team, we're shutting down at a certain date. Don't reach me. No, I didn't even say anything. I just put my phone on silent and I just was just like yeah, I just became super antisocial. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I just wanted to be really internal. I gave no one any kind of warning. (laughs) I was just like, it's officially me time. And I told myself that and proceeded (laughs) forward. And that day after my wonderful steaming, I was like, you know what? I don't feel like putting this adult diaper on. I'm just going to lay down in bed and take a nap. Naked. Good for you. Good for you. I love it. It's like, and I got in bed. 
and I'm about to drift off to sleep when all of a sudden water starts exploding out of my body. It wasn't some like little trickle, like it was like the dramatic movie theater. And I'm like, the hell? What is, what? I jump out of bed and I swear it was like Niagara Falls, like someone like throwing buckets out of me. And then I'm like, stop standing here ruining the floors. Go sit on the toilet. And I'm like shouting for my husband and he can't hear me. So I like text him. I'm like, my water has burst. And he comes, he runs upstairs and he's looking at me and he's looking at the mess and he's looking at the sheets. And he immediately starts taking the sheets off the bed and throws them in the wash and starts mopping the floor. I get into the shower and originally my doula was going to come over that day to do a little yoga session. And so he messages her and she's like, do you guys still want me to come over? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, come over. How about you come over? Just hang out. She's coming over, water breaks. And even within that, there are kind of like time limits around how long you're allowed to like legally labor with broken water. It can't be more than 24 hours. Exactly. And I was here for 24 hours. Fuck no. (laughs) Laboring. Fuck. And I was like super in labor land. We had gotten to like pushing stage. My midwife was like, this is your body. Put your finger inside of yourself and you will feel his head. And I could feel like he was on his way down, but something was happening. He should have been descending more and he wasn't. He was getting stuck and we didn't know what was going on. But I so desperately, like my eternal optimistic side was like, but I'm going to make this happen in because I really wanted it in the water. And like we had the pool set up and I'm like in there and I'm like, I want this to happen here. And my midwife was just like, so we should drive to the hospital now while we can before it has to become them having to come and get you. We can either all get in the car and go to the hospital in like a loving way, or we keep trying it here. And it might end up that they're, we're going to have to do it in a more rushed. Exactly. Scenario. We don't want that. And I love how you worded that. We can all get in the car and go in a loving way. And that's exactly what it was. And my doula was like, your body is going to protect itself and it's going to shut down your labor a little bit while you're driving over. So prepare I have a lot of stairs at my house. So like just getting down the stairs to the car. Oh, honey. Oh, God. Painful and scary. But then getting in the car, it was like, it was true. My body was like, oh, so we're not going to, we're not going to do this right now. Okay. All right. We'll just slow this down a little bit. Shop closed for a second. Yeah. Yeah. We get to the hospital. I love my midwife so much. Normally, like the doula would stay with you and go into the, but my midwife just, we had such a connection. She was like, I'm going to stay with you. And I just also trusted her so much. When you do a home birth, you have all these backup plans for all this. So we were situated. I had my hospital midwife who was on the way to meet us there and my home midwife who was going with us. I just felt protected with the people I had already chosen to surround myself with, changing environments. Look at this continuous gift and scenario, (laughs) though, of like your baby and journey has just been a constant 
having to change your yes. plans. Yes. Yes. It's such a valuable lesson in just learning how to surrender. That's my word. That's for parenthood. It. Like, yeah, just surrender. Parenthood is surrender to me. Yeah, exactly. It's a constant practice in surrendering. And because I felt like I had this air of protection around me, all my fears around the hospital didn't immediately creep up. Immediately getting that epidural, which was like, oh, this is really wonderful. <laughs> I don't, I couldn't do it. Like at a certain point I tried, like I labored with both of mine by myself for a shitload of hours. And then at some point I was like, checkmate, I'm good. I don't want to feel this anymore. This is really bad for me. I, I love that. I felt like I had both of it. I did the laboring at home, unmedicated. I know I could have handled it, but there was something else going on. I also had the epidural and I was like, this is quite lovely. Oh, and I'm thank tired. You. you had been doing that a very yeah, and I am long time. so tired and I needed to rest. I had always been terrified of the epidural because I have a fear of needles. So the idea of that in my the technician that did this epidural, I was like, God sent you because I did not feel this at all. Or maybe I never thought, maybe you're already feeling so much by the time you feel that needle. You don't that's, feel You don't feel I that. Feel shit well, yeah. on mind. It was wonderful. I slept. I was so afraid of like Pitocin. I was so afraid of just like being forced into a C-section. No one was trying to force me into anything. It was so like, no, we're going to just see how this progresses and we're going to go with it. It was so much different than all the fears you had sort of it built was. up. It was. And there was even a lovely nurse in the hospital that was like, hey, I've done like spinning babies training. I'm just going to keep you moving while since you can't move, your, I'm going to keep your legs moving. I was like, I felt so taken care of and it was so wonderful. And because my... Aww. So midwife glad. was there. She was like, this is okay. You can do this. And I think it'll be better for you to do this because it will help you to still have the vaginal birth you want to have. And Katie, oh my God, I pushed for four and a half hours for this baby. My water broke on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. This baby Stop did that. not come out till Thursday at 4.12 a.m. <laughs> And at one point, my husband was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, don't leave. You're going to miss it. I had no concept of time. I was like, don't leave. And he's like, it has been you two hours. You four fucking I hours? I pushed for four hours. But really, it felt like in, I had no, there was no concept of time. But I just remember thinking like when I realized later, like when we started versus when he emerged onto the scene with his arm up here so when he came out his arm was over his face like he so came out, like elbow his first. arm was like up here his head came out and then all of a sudden like the room shifted they were like oh the body didn't just bloop plop out so the midwife had to reach her hand the hospital midwife just to you know, the one that was allowed to do it, had to reach her hand in and grab his arm and then th- and pull that out. And then the rest of the body came out. So that's why he didn't because he stuck. wasn't in the position. His arms at home. were wrapped in a sort of his arms were up above his head. Yeah, they call that what um, compound presentation. Holy shit. Google that one. That's a fourth <laughs> time. <laughs> Thank you.
This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Now, I love that, again, anyone listening, follow Asia on Instagram, because if you're a mom, I just, the times you post some real realness on it, it's just amazing. And I was so fucking impressed because a few days after labor, you posted a picture of what your body looks like after you have a baby, which is the most wild fucking time. It's when your stomach has essentially become a deflated, hollow, it's still really big, but it's empty in there. Yes. But your organs haven't gone back to where they go. It's very weird. Your stomach looks so weird. And it is something I don't, I haven't really seen photos of. And you looked so fucking beautiful. And it was so real and it was really a special thing to share, I thought. But it, you see that belly, that big, like, empty belly that's hanging around. I mean, I can remember after both my pregnancies, like, rolling over in the middle of the night from one side to the other and still, like, throwing my big, big, empty, watery, doughy belly. It, like, messes with you. Uh-huh. It's like my husband was – would be trying to take pictures of me and the baby and be like, oh, don't, like – I don't, I don't like the way I look. I, and he was like, you will regret later if you don't have photos of you and our He's son right. in his small estate. Yeah. And I was like, you are right. And that is that is what led to that. I was like, I shouldn't be like trying to hide this or erase this. And it made me realize, man, how often do you see an image of a woman Never. after she's 
had the baby. With the baby. There's always the photo of you with the baby. With the baby, like, but like everything covered, hiding the artifact, this body that that has created all of this and just, and what is left behind. No, that's what was so wonderful about your post. It was so like, yeah, guys, that's what your body looks like after you've had a baby. Here it's wild. And my husband was like, wow, okay, you went to the extreme. It was like, are you sure you <laughs> How was your postpartum experience, like the first six weeks? Were you in a love bubble? Were you an emotional roller coaster? Did you fall into the love you've never felt? Like, how did you feel like he was a stranger? We've heard it all. A friend of mine actually said something really amazing to me. He said that someone had told him, don't be surprised if you don't love your baby at first. And at first I was like, what? Not love. And then I had my baby and was like, what is this thing? Where did this come from? This, there's a stranger here. And this is so weird because he'd been inside and can't, you don't see him. And now he's outside and wants things. Breastfeeding wasn't like super easy. He had a lip tie. Yeah. And we had to go to the dentist and they had to like snip and then it was better because I was like this is really painful I don't know what's going on I look I've accomplished so much if I can't breastfeed that's okay because I'd also listen to so many podcasts about not everyone can so I was like so I accept it if it can't happen it's fine we were able to but like now he has four teeth and I'm like okay homie if you bite me one more time Swear to God. Breastfeeding is such a triggering. It's a triggering conversation. And I'm always like, and to the friends I've had, I'm like, fed is best. That is it. However you do it, feed your baby. They'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'm coming on the other side of it, which is my daughter is 16 months and I'm still breastfeeding her. I never in my life thought I would ever do this or be one of these mothers. That's amazing. And now I'm being judged for breastfeeding her too long. No! Oh, honey, welcome to motherhood. You are going to be judged Judged no matter what choice you make. It's really wild. And I'm just like, I don't know. I She's my last baby. And she really enjoys it. And it's really easy in my schedule right now. I do it twice a day, 7 a.m., 7 p.m. It's not bothering it's anybody. Not I'm like, well. harming her. Like, I'm like, oh, she's breast so milk, the shit is magical. After this, I've just been so like, I will never judge anyone for anything ever again. Like, if I see a mom, if I see a stay-at-home mom with a full-time nanny, I'm like, yes, ma'am, get it. You deserve. Because I have been alone with my child all day, and I wished I had someone with me. Speaking of, how has your work-life balance, How what does your system look like right now? I did a film where we shot only night (sighs) and that and my husband is primary caretaker of our son and that was hard that was hard on the just with pumping that was hard with sleep that was hard with trying to see my child it was really i was like i want to see my baby i also want to sleep i also have to be at work in five hours like (laughs) that was is a beautiful project and I love it and I don't regret a minute of it, but I was that I felt like a broken human. How old was your son? 
He was going to turn six months while I was shooting this. Good Lord. So yeah, so that was intense. It's definitely been a negotiation. I do feel like I have a support system and it's great to be like somewhat coming out of COVID now. So how cool that your husband is your sole caretaker. Yeah, like it's beautiful. Just the way he is, his approach, he's very like Montessori, is really like empowering him to be independent and it's just beautiful. Cool. I love that I shit. I love it I love so that shit. much. And now your husband is white Austrian. You are black American. What does, has there been race conversations yet? Like, like what's that sound like in your household? Oh, just us being in a relationship. (laughs) Of course. So many conversations around race. And then, yeah, with our son, so many conversations around race. When you have a child and you live in a country where regardless of what that mix is the perception is like yeah what does he present as as. exactly he'll be perceived as black most likely like regardless which is this very like antiquated thing (laughs) like when you really think about it because it was like it was that one drop one drop of blood from a black person automatically makes you black i had actually had a friend who had talked about she's biracial she's black and asian and she like did this post about like, I am 100% black and 100% Asian. Like I'm not like a mix of percentages. Wow. And that really resonated with wow, the both that's of really us. Cool. Yeah, because like for my husband, when he, growing up in Austria for him, like you never had to mark a box like saying white. Right, 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 right. Other, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and I hate the idea of like my child feeling other so weird so it's like when he thinks of himself he thinks like austrian and he's looking at his child like you are also austrian and you are also american you are all these things and we want you to own all these things and you don't have to compartmentalize or separate or categorize we can believe in that nuance and it can be okay but there are some realities that we of course have to talk about in terms of like his safety. Absolutely. Yeah, we're gonna have to have conversations about what the perception of you in certain spaces means and how that can potentially affect your safety. It's like your mom, it's like our job is to keep our children safe. Safe. The rules are different, it sucks. And this is what it is. What's it like in Austria? So in Austria, and I think over the course of the pandemic, there was a bit of a conversation around that because like my husband always assumed it would be safer for our child in Austria than here in in the U.S. And to a degree, that's true. But there are black Austrians, of course. And when you hear some of them talking about their experience of being asked, where are you from? when you're Austrian, living in Austria, it doesn't feel good. There is the sense of a feeling of having a target on your back, no matter where in the world you are, like you're not meant to belong there because people are used to that space being occupied solely by white people. And I think that was a bit of an education for us both. 
We don't want him to have that feeling of otherhood, of just not being counted as a part of something, which can also just mess with your psyche because he is Austrian. That's why it's important for us to be in both places. and Spend time in both places. Spend time in both places for him to be able to speak German. Like my husband only speaks to him in German. How lovely. I love that. Yes. Yes. I love that. I'm working on my German too. (laughs) Get it, Asia. If anyone can do it. I can do it. My last and final question is parenthood is. Oh, we've hit on some good ones, which is parenthood is surrender. Surrender. I love that. I think surrender is like the word. I might get that tattooed on my body. Surrender. I know. Can I join you in that? Let's get sister tattoos. I'm going to come fucking visit you in Austria, which I've never been to, and I would love it. So beautiful. So beautiful. It's bananas how beautiful. I love Austria so much. And I would love to just have you on next year, another season, because I would love to hear about how parenting is going, too. You know what I mean? Like, I want to hear, you're still in the baby stages where the baby's not. I'm really curious what you think of two and three, because you and I are very similar. (laughs) And the practicing of surrendering with a toddler is quite the journey in exploration. Yes, I love that. Exactly. Yes. Thank you for coming on Katie's Crib Asia. I adore you. And I'm just so happy for you in every way, shape, form. I'm so happy for you. Thank you for having me. So wonderful to see you. Sending you and your beautiful family so much love, always. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I want to hear from you. Let's chat. Questions, comments, concerns? Let me know. You can always find me at katiescrib at shondaland.com. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.